It's time for Tuck Talk, presented by the Osceola. Your favorite FSU hoops commentary are brought to you by Farm Stores, Chick-fil-A, and Alumni Hall. Now, here's Aria Masudi and Bob Ferranti. Tuck Talk is back here, presented by the Osceola, Aria Masudi, and Bob Ferranti. I want to thank our sponsors again, uh, Farm Stores, as well as Chick-fil-A and uh, Alumni Hall that have made this podcast uh, possible this season. I want to also thank you guys for listening. I know it's been a... Uh, a tougher season than we've been all accustomed to from years past. And uh, there's some there's some reasons for it, and we're going to jump into that because right now Florida State on a five-game losing streak. And, uh, Bob, just a couple of weeks ago it felt like the Knolls were – and it's not what it felt like they were. They were in first place. Things were looking good. You had a team that was safely in the NCAA tournament, had some quad one victories locked up, and it felt like they were going to uh, run through some of these teams that were remaining on their schedule. Uh, boy, how times have changed. Yeah, I mean, can you believe it? We're recording on February 11th, and that was January 11th when they went down to Miami, held off the Hurricanes in the second half. It felt like a team that was kind of figuring things out, even though it was a kind of a bizarre performance, really good first half, really bad second. But, yeah, how things have changed, the injuries have piled up. Um, we'll kind of dive into the issues or some – questions about who's still leading this team um do they just have enough enough of a push is there enough veteran push to get this team through the rest of the way but it's been it's been a tough stretch to say the least yeah and look uh, folks the rest of the year uh, we've got to kind of put some glasses on that that have a filter on them uh, on the way we view and expect what's coming. Uh, obviously, I, I'm disappointed, I think, in the loss to Pitt more than any other. I don't think, you know, no matter who's not playing for Florida State, that's a really, really, really bad Pitt team you lost to. It's one of the worst losses Florida State's actually taken probably in quite a while um, when you look back at the Leonard Hamilton era. and um, It's just it can't happen at home, um, especially in the Tucker Center. And, and the way that game went, that was disappointing. Uh, and, and you've lost now to a lot of the bottom feeders of the ACC. And I think at this point, it's safe to say you are one of the bottom feeders of the ACC. And Florida State, I, I'm not real sure, will win a lot more games. And that I don't know that they're going to win two or three more games. And that's unfortunate. But the schedule is much harder uh, than the stretch that you just went through. And, Bob, I mean – what are you going to do? You, you've got three starters down. I mean, Anthony Polite, Malik Osborne, Naheem McLeod. I mean, all, all out for the season, and uh, it just has not gone well for Florida State since. I think in the preseason, if you're ranking the most valuable guys, the guys who give you the most, not just production, not just points and rebounding, but leadership, defensive stability, where you have to be coordinating to the younger guys, here's your responsibility. And, and we have seen it through practices. When, when Stan Jones is coaching, he's coaching the players. But then if the veterans also don't see it or the coaches are stopping a, a play or a portion, they're relaying that to a guy like a Malik Osborne or a Wyatt Wilkes. And then those two are in charge of correcting and making sure everything is settling in the way that the coaches expect. And if you don't have a Malik Osborne out there on the court, your team looks dramatically different, yes, from a point rebound standpoint, but from a defense, a, a leadership, there, there are just a lot of things that don't function like normal because I, I think guys are still uncertain of what they're supposed to do, what their roles are. And yeah, to your point about Pitt, I, I think that one was one where you felt like regardless of who was on the court, 
Florida State was a much better team, should have won, should have won at home. And yeah, as we're kind of counting how many wins might be left here, I was thinking win over Pitt, win at BC, that gets you to 15 regular season. At least you finish no worse than 500. And now we're looking at, hey, this was a team that was top of the ACC standings literally a month ago. And and now are they able to make it to 500? Are they able to stabilize themselves? A lot of things to still watch and maybe see how this team progresses, but it, it clearly has not made the right adjustments, you know, players and coaches to where they've they've found some level of confidence, stability, comfort in, in what they need to do game in and game out. Yeah, I think you nail it on the head. It's you you say you lose probably your two most important players, right? You lose Malik Osborne, who is the heartbeat of the team, Anthony Polite's the glue that makes everything work. You've lost two guys that offensively can hit the sh- that can hit a three point shot. Defensively are fantastic, especially Anthony Polite on the ball. Uh, and you lost Naheem McLeod, who took probably the largest leap of any player on this roster from game one to where he was when he got injured. Uh, he was he's a big reason why you beat Duke. Uh, in Tallahassee because he had six offensive rebounds and um, against Miami he had a pretty good game that's a guy who started to open up open up your game on offense you were able to lob it up you were able to miss and know that Naheem was going to go back and clean up a second chance and be able to stick it back in Um, man it hurts and when you look at this season it's kind of unprecedented for Florida State this hasn't really happened to this level and and it couldn't have been worse for the, the players that you lost. It couldn't have been any worse to lose those specific players. Uh, I actually think you'd have been better off, and I'm not, you know, not wishing this upon anybody or anything like that, but I think the team, if you had to lose people for the season, uh, losing a, a, a Mills or a Cleveland probably hurts you less than losing Osborne and Polite. And you're not just talking about guys who – have skill sets, right? Like they both do things that are incredible, rebound the basketball, play defense. Anthony Polite's three-point shot had started to come back before the injury. Uh, He had figured out how to play uh, in his new role this season with this specific team. But you're talking about culture guys, two guys that have been in so many tight ACC games that come down to the final two minutes, and they're making the big play. They're making the big shot. Um, they're hitting the three-point shot to get you back into it and, and send the tuck into a frenzy. They get the defensive stop that they have to get. They hit the free throws that they have to hit. Um, and you lost the two guys that are probably able to kind of bring everybody together when things aren't going well and the other team's on a run. So uh, I, I'm hurt. I'm hurt for them more than anything uh, because that group deserved better. That's an NCAA tournament team fully healthy. That's an NCAA tournament team that could maybe make a second weekend with the right matchup. And, and you know, they, they, were not, uh, they were not a team that anybody wanted to play with their length and ability to, to cause havoc on the defensive end. So uh, it sucks. It's it is what it is. You have to finish out the season. That's how this works. So, uh, Bob, what are you looking forward to, and, and what are you looking at now on the court as we try and finish out this year? We were kind of talking before we recorded. I think I know where you're going to go, but but the other aspect that I think is important to me is I want to see the half court offense function better. I think we need to see some better point guard play from Raekwon Evans. Yes, I think we know Caleb Mills can create in the half court. He can do things without necessitating screens or other guys playing for him to open up looks. I want to see just just more function out of that half-court set. I think we see sometimes too much 
passivity. Maybe that's not the right word. It's not just passing. It's not, there's not enough aggression in finding and creating good, good looks. It's too much of, okay, the shot clock's going down. Now what? And that's, that's not the functionality, I think, of this, of this, um, this half-court offense. It needs to be more of, okay, if the open look is there, great. Don't settle for jumpers. Drive. Drive to the bucket. Because I think we have seen at times um, Matthew Cleveland, when he's at his best, is driving to the bucket. Uh, Raekwon Evans at times, too. When he's at his best, it's driving to the bucket. It's not the jumper. I want to see a little bit more functionality in that half-court set. Yeah, I think Florida State, uh, when you look at some of the advanced metrics, and folks, again, we're, we're going to use Ken Palm a little bit here and there for, for the rest of this season, but, uh, I mean, all these numbers are going to get worse uh, probably just with the way that things are going and, and the guys that are out. But uh, the Knowles two-point percentage conversion rate has been embarrassingly bad. I mean, it's been so many missed layups, so many missed shots at the rim. Cleveland's not finishing um, inside. Mills has really struggled to finish inside. Um, a lot of guys are just driving into the paint, and it's either resulting in a turnover or a contested shot, and they're just or they're just missing point blank layups at times. And I, I'm at a loss for words uh, because those are things that doesn't really matter if you're missing three of your starters. Right. Those are things you're expected to finish. I mean, Cleveland was three of 10 from two point range against uh, Pitt. And for a kid that doesn't have a jump shot and doesn't really have an outside game, uh, that's why he's struggled at this level right now. It's because teams are kind of sagging him in and making him finish tough. And he's not um, at the rim. Mills is really surprising. You would think a player with that kind of skill set is able to finish a little bit cleaner at the rim. As a whole, Florida State, 28%, 9 of 32 inside the arc against Pitt. That's not a big Pitt team. That's That can't happen. I know uh, <clears throat> um, uh, Muhammadu Guy was really, really tough, had eight blocks, a really athletic kid that I have no idea how he's at Pitt. He's a much better player than that program. Um, but you got to do better. You got to do better. And you and I talked about this earlier, Bob, uh, the drop off offensively from Naheem McLeod to your other bigs in Tenor, uh, and Gom and Quincy Ballard. Oh, it's massive. I mean, it's Tenor. I don't think has the requisite toughness to really be able to play at this power five ACC level. Uh, and the, the kid gives great effort. He really does. And he's battled a lot of injuries, but uh, he really just doesn't have the requisite toughness and, and maybe the girth, so to speak, to be able to kind of jostle down low. Uh, and then Quincy Ballard at times looks completely lost. I shouldn't say at times, most of the time he runs out there and the staff can't put him out there for long because he's getting lost on defense. Offensively, he's not in the right spot. Um, so you really lost your only big, really, that was an impact player. That could be a consistent impact player in Naheem. And it sucks. Naheem was starting to play with a little bit of an edge to him, too. He was screaming after dunks, and he was making faces at the opposing. I mean, he was starting to feel himself a little bit uh, and really grow in, in confidence and in his role uh, in this team. So you lose that, and then you lose Anthony Polite, who's a great finisher at the rim. Um, Malik Osborne, who's a great finisher at the rim. Uh, and again, we can point all these things to injuries, but at the end of the day, the team that you have is the team you got to finish the season with. And I have no doubt that Coach Ham, Coach Jones, uh, CY, uh, Coach Smith, they're going to try and put together game plans that maximize what this team still has, Bob. But 
I do think it's fair to say, like, you should expect this group to play at a little bit of a higher level. Yeah, I mean, to your point, you can't miss. I believe it was 12 layups, one of those two games, either either a pit or wake. Yeah, I mean, these are high percentage opportunities at the rim, near their bucket. And, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's I think we're seeing with Cleveland and Mills in particular – they're feeling that by necessity they have to be volume shooters. They're feeling the burden of, hey, I have to be the guy. Instead of it being, let me play through the offense, through the flow of the game, who's defending me, what are the best looks for me and my teammates. And I don't think it's Ham or CY or Stan Jones who's saying, hey, Caleb, Matt, you guys are going to take a lot of shots tonight. I don't sense that that's what this coaching staff does. I think these guys have just felt pressure either put upon themselves through conversations with teammates, and, and that's just not how a good Florida State team historically operates. It, it's going to be a tough struggle, but I think that's one of your big things is how do these younger guys develop through the course of the year? Do we see improved, whether it's jump shooting from Cleveland or more consistency out of out of a Mills, a guy who we know can put up 25 to 30, even in a half. I mean, didn't he have a half middle of January where he had 24 points? We know this is a guy who can fill up the stat sheet. It's just, hey, just relax and settle in and don't feel like you've got to play hero because this that's not how a team functions like Florida State. I agree with you. I think I'm also looking to see how Cleveland, Worley, and Butler develop uh, as the final few games of the season tick off. I mean, I think what do we got left? Uh, when I look at the schedule, you've got seven games left in the regular season and then maybe one, potentially two, in the ACC tournament if, if you pull off some kind of upset in the first round. Um, I I'm, This team isn't making the tournament. I don't know that anybody needs to hear that at this point anymore. I think if... If you still had that 1% of hope, I would shut it down completely. Um, the NCAA tournament's over. Barring winning the ACC tournament, which, again, could happen. Crazier things have happened. Um, but this group just, I'm not sure, has the goods anymore um, from a roster standpoint to be able to make that said run. Um, barring, like, you know, Caleb Mills turning into, like, Kemba Walker the year that he just willed uh, UConn back you know i mean it's got to be something pretty heroic something pretty miraculous um the nit i don't know that this team is going to make the nit and that's <laughs> that's painful to talk about this program deserves better they've worked really hard to not even have to have the question of are you going to make the nit that's that's an embarrassment in its own right for this program at the level that they've been at. And I think they'll tell you that that's extremely disappointing to have to even talk about the NIT, let alone, are you going to make the NIT? Um, Cleveland, Worley, and Butler have all started to really struggle. I think they're, they've been used to the, the roles that they've been in. I think within polite and Osborne and McLeod being healthy within the rotation that they had been getting accustomed to. And now they're kind of being thrusted into more minutes. Um, and it looked like a shell shock for a lot of them against Wake and against Pitt. But 
maybe as the season goes on and they don't have a choice but to be on the court for for 25 30 minutes a night at times um, you're going to start to see their confidence grow Um, and I think that's what you're looking for as fans now is the step-by-step progression about some of these players because uh, you're you're looking at next season now you're really starting to try and in your mind build what can next season look like I think what's awkward about it is yes freshmen do hit a freshman wall in college basketball I think Malik Beasley famously you know struggled through that February stretch for them in in 2016 where they also had a five-game losing streak what's difficult about this stretch is for it has to lean on freshmen for minutes so we saw Cleveland played 35 Butler played 26 even Mills had 34 um, against Pitt so guys are logging heavier minutes than you would ever ask a freshman or a first-year type of guy to play but by necessity, that's where you are. You're forced to put these guys out here because you just don't have any other, let's say, dependable options. I think I think that's where your struggle is. I mean, Quincy is not a guy who can play more than two, three minutes of just fill-in ball here and there. We know Wyatt is a three-point specialist, but a liability in other areas. We know Harrison Prieto is incredibly valuable. He is essentially a scholarship guy, even though he's called a walk-on because he's a teaching assistant. I mean, that's how it all works from a scholarship standpoint. Harrison is really carrying this team in some areas, especially against Wake. But I think even against Pitt, he felt the pressure to be taking some threes. And whether they were good looks or not, they they weren't on the money. They were airball-ish. And, and so guys are kind of feeling that pressure to step in, to play more minutes, to take on a bigger role. And it's just not part of their comfort zone. Yeah, I think Harrison looked like a walk-on against Pitt. Like for the like, as good as he looked against uh, Wake, I think a team had a scouting report on him, was able to kind of put more focus on him in the game in the days leading up to the game, and uh, Harrison wasn't able to kind of. Uh, he he's not athletically gifted enough to be able to like counter your counter if that makes sense uh i do think he was a a lightning rod a flash in a pan type of player for one game now that's not to say that prieto can't be valuable to your team he rebounds the ball well he boxes out he does a lot of little things well um and i think you know minutes are going to be continued for him because you need to play him uh and he's a great culture kid um someone who i think loves florida state and um is going to give you a hundred percent on that court i don't i don't question harrison prieto's heart for the rest of the season he's going to give you everything he's got um that Wake Forest game, though, you kind of felt like that was was that maybe the the pendulum for this team's mental state, for this team's belief on what they could do the rest of the season without those injured guys. I I felt like that personally. I was talking to a few people. If the Knowles are able to find a way to like win that game, it was right there, right? You're down one with four minutes left. You're down two uh, with just over a minute and a half and Wake hits the final run of the game and and you can't finish it. The tuck was coming to life. It was a great crowd and uh, Wake was able to ultimately make the final plays in a game that was really ugly and, and the Knowles forced so many turnovers. Uh, and somehow lost after 26 turnovers yeah and somehow you lose that game after you force 26 turnovers and it's because you're not shooting the ball well you know you don't have shot makers right now on the court and uh you're really just looking at caleb mills to help you out Uh, it's that's the offense and um, the tough part about that too bob is that the more caleb mills has to shoot and has to become the primary option teams are going to scout 
to try and stop him. He's going to go to the bucket, and there's going to be multiple players swarming to the ball to make sure that he's not the one beating you. And that just makes it tough. You're counting on everybody else, uh, or Caleb's going to take a bad shot um, with three guys in his face. That's where you're headed um, if some of these other guys don't step up. Cleveland has been a little disappointing for me. Um, I think it's very clear that he's not that immediate impact freshman that the Knowles have had. In the past few years, he's not to the level of a, of a Pat Williams, Scotty Barnes, um, Jonathan Isaac. He he just wasn't he just wasn't that caliber of player coming out of high school. I think a lot of people hoped, and they saw they saw a shiny five star status by you know maybe one one site, um, but he just doesn't have a jump shot. It's it's not respectable. His free throw percentage is a joke in my opinion. I mean he he goes up there and he misses free throws like horrendously um but the explosion's real right like his athleticism is the real deal you see what made him um highly touted at a high school but the talk of him being an nba player right now i just it's not he's not close he needs another offseason he needs to come back and really work on that jumper because that's that's what's separating him from getting a shot at the next level um is the jumper but if these guys are committed to it though if they are committed to growth long term, next year's team is going to be pretty fun to watch. If you can keep Cleveland committed toward development, Worley has to take another step. Mills needs to stay and not think about pro ball. John Butler, with that frame, if he adds on some weight, is going to be a silly three-point shooter, and his touch around the rim is is pretty good too. We see the pieces are there, but to your point, these are clearly not the 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 one and done types. These are not a, a Beasley, Bacon, Scotty Barnes, Pat Williams type. But if they want to be a let's say Devin Vassell type, a two year guy at, at Florida State, there is a a there is a blueprint. The coaching staff can show how we have developed guys and the benefits of sticking around for another season and knowing that your stock is going to do nothing but go up down the road. Yeah, and I think you know Cleveland has an NBA prototype uh, body athleticism combination, right? Like the wingspan's there. He's athletic as heck, um, and you know he's he, he's a tough kid. I think he's going to do well uh, in a couple of years. I just don't think he's a one and done, and we'll see if he's a two and done. I'm not sold that next season the three point shot and the free throw percentage will dramatically increase. Um, but I do believe, you know, in what coach Jones can do in an off season with, with, uh, individual player development. So, um, Cam Fletcher had a decent game against Pitt. That could be another kid. I mean, he's a freshman by all accounts. I mean, he, he's listed as a sophomore, but, uh, he basically, you know, it's his first year on the basketball court playing a full season. Uh, he's, he does some nice things. Uh, John Butler still hitting the three point shot. Well, 39% on the year, but John's going to need to, to start to figure out how to play at this level's physicality. Um, because teams are going to try to bully him off the ball if they can. And, um, if he's just a seven, one kid hanging out beyond the three point line, um, waiting for a catch and shoot three, that's not, that's not what you want from John Butler, uh, only right. Like that can't be it. Uh, you don't want another, you don't want a Wyatt Wilkes type. That's seven, one, um, Speaking of Wilkes, he has not produced for this team this season. Uh, I think he's shooting 30% on the year uh, from three, which for a specialist, like that, that doesn't cut it. Uh, defensively hasn't been great. Not able to really stay in front of people. Uh, and then Ray Evans, you know, it's hard to to kind of 
evaluate Raekwon right now because he had to miss a game due to, you know, uh, he just emotionally not there to play after the death of his brother. And he gets a pass, in my opinion. Like, everybody grieves differently. Um, it's been really fresh, I think, since November for something like that to happen. He hasn't had a chance to really go home and be with his family and have that pro- and process that together. He's had to be in school and playing basketball. Um, if Ray Evans is not playing basketball, folks, like if this happens to a normal student, the student can pause all academics and go home. They will come back and they call it a dean's drop, and uh, they'll either drop the grade, drop the class, and and let you retake it, or they'll work with you. But Evans doesn't have that luxury of being able to go home because he's counted on with this team, and I give him all the credit in the world for continuing to run out there and wanting to be with his teammates and be tough. But you can tell on the court, it's just, he's not always engaged in the way that I think we've seen Ray Evans in the past, um, impact basketball games. So man, if this is like a vial in a lab experiment, you just got a really bad mixture of things that are going on to this basketball team right now. And I think there's a lot of things with the schedule and the geography in, in Evan's case that work against him. You know, his family's way out West. I, I believe Montana, not easy to get out there. Florida state lost its bye week because of the COVID break. They had to reschedule that game up at BC on the 21st. So instead of being able to have a bye where you could truly fly out and be with your family for three, four days and just decompress and put basketball in the rear view mirror and say the guys back home are taking care of basketball. But when you don't have Anthony polite, when you don't have enough guard play, enough veterans to step in and run the team in practices, you start to wonder, can I take that time off to be with my family? And, and maybe he's saying, I really can't. I just have to put that time off. I have to use FaceTime and, and other opportunities to just spend time with my family. So again, I think it's distance for him is a challenge. And I think the schedule, the way it really got compressed here because of COVID, he's he's probably going to have to fight through the emotions and as hard as it is for him. It's just going to be a daily struggle but he's going to have to try and do that if he so chooses the rest of the way. Yeah. So looking forward, you know, really the rest of the year, it's going to be, uh, keep Caleb Mills as healthy as possible. He's going to get a lion's share of the basketball. And then I think, you know, if you're, your fans and observers and and media, you're looking to see how Matt Cleveland develops, right. And can he take another step forward from now until early March, um, when the season comes to an end, can Jalen Worley, continue to try and grow in confidence does john butler develop some things and the staff's going to keep working with these guys folks like it's i hate to you know to say this but like just because the the season from a record standpoint is probably not going to finish in the way that you want that doesn't mean that all's lost you're still building for what could be a very very good florida state basketball team next season um especially you know if malik osborne decides to come back uh, he does have that COVID year that he can use. Um, and the word is that he's he's definitely thinking about it. It's not this surefire, uh, you know, Malik Osborne's career is over type of thing. So we'll see. And, and that's why you keep developing. You got to keep pushing forward. Um, and there's a lot left to play for. Um, and, and Bob, maybe they, they surprise us here and there. They might get a win uh, over a team that they're not supposed to. Um, maybe they have, uh, some tuck magic left one time, um, and, and kind of send the fans home happy for the day. I do think large in part, you're not going to get the record that you want in the end. I think there'll be a lot more disappointing days than there are, uh, good ones. Um, 
but there are still things to look forward to. And, and if you're a FSU basketball fan, or if you're just a casual uh, Florida State basketball fan because you just love Florida State, and and basketball is that sport that's kind of um, kind of paved the way until spring football. Uh, keep supporting them. Keep watching. Keep keep uh, going to the games. They need you. And, and this program has come so far, right? The culture of this program has come so far. And it's been great to see the students continue to go to games and fill that up because that, that to me, highlights the step forward that this basketball program has taken. Just in the eyes of the community, in the eyes of the national media, uh, and really the national fan bases around. I mean, people say, oh, man, we've got to play Florida State today. Oh, man, Coach Ham." He's doing his thing. Uh, it's not going to be easy. And it didn't used to be like that. So uh, I, I just plead with you, and, and uh, I just ask of you to continue to support this program. Keep showing up, giving them a great atmosphere, and uh, just remember big picture that it's not all over yet. Yeah, I think the students have really embraced this uh, this team. I, you know, Even our buddy Kurt Weiler writing the story about Harrison Prieto, you know, talking about how Yes, he's a teaching assistant, and a lot of his students come up to him and and say, "Yeah, yeah, you're you're on the basketball team. We're we're watching you, either on TV or we're coming to your games. We're supporting you." And I think I think that's what makes this program wants to be embraced by you know not just the city, not just Florida State fans all over the place, but you know within the community. And and it has been. It, it's it's obviously been a tough sled here, and it might be the rest of the way. I mean, Coach Hamilton saying Friday morning that. You know, Anthony Plight is trying, is optimistic in telling Coach, I'm trying to get back. And Coach literally laughed this morning saying, I'm, I'm doubtful, but I, I like hearing, you know, that Anthony's trying. So I think there are guys who are fighting. The reason why I say that is there are guys who want to show the best that this team has with the pieces that are able to play. It's just right now it's really tough when you take away three big pieces. These are good guys, man. Like they, they love Florida state. They don't get in trouble. They represent the Knowles at a really high level and they represent their university well. And I think that's part of what's made them kind of charming, right? For the last five or six years is yeah, they're playing good on well on the court and it's, it's fun basketball, but they're also easy to root for, um, all together. So seven games left at North Carolina on Saturday. And this, if you were fully healthy, and you had Naheem playing the way he did, I'd say you got a shot. You know, you go there. Carolina's not that good. Uh, UNC is not. They're not great. They may not make the tournament this year themselves. They're on the bubble. So uh, the Dean Dome's a tough place to play, uh, especially now, though, with all the injuries. I think Carolina's going to probably find a way there. I think, you know, Ken Palm has them pretty comfortably winning um, with a decent shot, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a double-digit loss. You just, you just kind of hope. Uh, even though we could have our thoughts, you know, off this pod about this team's mental state and how they believe in that locker room at this point, uh, that pit game was tough. I think it was kind of a reality check for a lot of people on where this team is um, right now. And um, you just kind of hope they don't go to North Carolina and just kind of go through the motions and just take it, if you, if you know what I mean. And then you get Clemson at home, a team that I think, you know, you can beat in Tallahassee. That's one of the games I would say still winnable on the season. Uh, Clemson, not a great basketball team by any means. Uh, matter of fact, they're pretty bad. Um, so those are the next two. Um, we'll keep talking about the rest of the season as you go on. But, Bob, any thoughts on on this weekend? I, I think this weekend, I mean, Baycott is a double-double machine. He, he literally averages a double-double However, you rank the top 
three guys in the ACC, Ben Caro, uh, Baycott, Alonis Williams at Wake. They're all up there. They're all really good. They all could be first-round picks. Um, I think we think Baycott and, uh, and Ben Caro will easily be lottery guys, right? So the, the key against UNC is do your best. Settle in against the crowd. Don't get too rattled over it. Defend the three. We know Carolina's got three guys who shoot at a very high level uh, from three-point range. Got to defend. Got to perimeter defend the best that you have. And it, it's been a rough couple of weeks there. I mean, Virginia Tech had the, the dueling Scott Woods. Um, it the old Horton against Pitt. Came out of nowhere. Seven to 13 threes. So this team has seen three-point shooters, has tried different defenses, has tried different zones even to see if that works. I don't think it does. I think it just maybe gives you a couple of possessions with some rest. But this weekend, try to defend on the perimeter better. Try to put a couple different bodies up against Baycott, maybe get him in foul trouble. Handle the crowd and, and use that as an experience moving forward because you've still got road games, uh, Duke, Virginia, and, uh, and, and, yeah, BC to a lesser extent, right? Yeah, I mean, there are some chances, I think, uh, for Florida State to get some wins. I'm not sure it's against Carolina. Um, they're playing much better as of late since, um, you know, the middle of the season, and they're really good at home. Uh, Duke beat them recently by 20. Uh, that was, you know, in the Dean Dome, but then they responded with a late win at Clemson. Um, and that's that's the key, right? UNC shoots 38% as a team from three. That's 11th in the country. Florida State is literally 330th uh, in defending the three-point shot this year. Uh, teams are hitting 37%. So there's only like 30 teams that are worse than Florida State um, at defending the three. So that's probably the key there. I imagine Baycott's going to be able to do whatever he wants down low. You hope Tenor can put a body on him and, and make life miserable as much as he can. But Baycott's probably going to do uh, what Armando Baycott has done. And foul trouble might be the only thing that saves you um, for Baycott because he does get into a lot of foul trouble. Um, Carolina, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, two kids that I think were both very disappointing last year as star freshmen have taken the leap forward, uh, as you might expect. And both are shooting extremely well from beyond the arc, 40% for Love, 43% for Davis. Then they got a transfer in Brady Manick from Oklahoma who um, will remind some people of uh, – he's kind of a Kevin Love type, and that's just kind of who he is. And um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the other kid that they had uh, a few years back, uh, Brady Manick type, a uh, white kid with a beard, a little bit bigger. Luke uh, Luke May? Does yeah, that sound that right? sounds right. That sounds right. He was a part of their uh, championship team, but very much similar type of player. Shoots 40% from three and grabs some rebounds and tough-nosed. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how they are. Leaky Black is still in college somehow. 6'8 uh, senior. Um, doesn't do a whole lot of anything. He's defensively pretty good, but not, not a game-changer by any means. But, again, you're playing at the Dean Dome. Carolina's good there. They're favored. They're probably going to win by double digits. Uh, I would expect that. Anything less, I think, is a, a pleasant surprise. And a win would be, I think it'd be a complete shock. Um, but maybe that's something we can talk about uh, after after that game is over, if, if they pull it off. But, yeah, Bob, anything else you want to add before we sign off? I think one other uh, 
of note for Carolina, Dawson Garcia, their 6'11 sophomore forward. I think he's back home with family the rest of the way. So that does diminish UNC's depth just a little bit, but this is still, uh, you know, quite the talented, you know, group of big bodies, perimeter shooters, the inside outside game that I, I think it, it, takes on a different shape of those typical Roy Williams, um, you know, big rebounding teams. Yes, you have Baycott, but you have the the perimeter shot. That, that makes it a much tougher assignment, especially on the road, I think, this time around. Yeah, and I'll be interested to see if Florida State can switch its mentality in that locker room of now being the team that I think nobody – really believes can do much of of anything right like can i mean they're not expected to do a whole heck of a lot the rest of the year and maybe that's something you rally around if you're those group of kids you, you start to figure it out and you kind of play that that uh that uh underdog role so um yeah i don't know bob i have not a lot of whole else to add other than it's going to be a tough rest of the season i think um the pit game was was kind of sobering in a lot of ways it kind of showed you that all right this is the level that Florida State's kind of at right now with this group and this rotation available. Um, and you just kind of have to accept what it is. And I think temper your expectations and, and have proper expectations. Just kind of keep an eye on those younger guys and, and let's see what happens. But, Bob, uh, y'all good? All set? I think we're good. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you guys for listening. We've been trying to keep it real with you the best that we can, but to stay optimistic as we can um, with this group. And uh, uh, we appreciate you guys listening and, and week in and week out. We're on Apple Pods, on Spotify. Uh, please make sure that you're visiting theosceola.com to, to see uh, all the great work that uh, Jerry, Bob, and Pat are doing. Um, and uh, thanks to our sponsors, of course, uh, Farm Stores, Chick-fil-A, Alumni Hall. Uh, you guys have made this possible for us. And um, I hope you stick around and keep listening to this podcast. Keep tuning in, and uh, we're going to finish this thing out together. Until next time, Ari Masudi and Bob Ferranti signing off. Farm Stores is coming soon to Tallahassee. Look for them at 950 West Tharp Street on the corner of Tharp and Old Bainbridge. Farm Stores is America's neighborhood drive through market. Carries all your favorite groceries, baked goods, and household brands. But even better is that it's all brought out to your car. Follow Farm Stores on Facebook, Instagram, or download the app for all the latest info. Or go to farmstorestally.com. 